When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Palmerbet on the edge of the box. Oh, it's a straight-up screamer! Download our app today and enjoy straight-up screamers this FIFA World Cup with great odds, great promos and same-game multi at Palmerbet. Gamble responsibly. For gambler's help, call 1-800-858-858. Welcome to Real Adventures for Club Marine. Get peace of mind with Club Marine Boat Insurance. Hello and welcome to Real Adventures. And firstly, I have the pleasure to welcome Club Marine to the show. Myself and Danger both have our boats insured with Club Marine and many other boaters do too. So we'd love to thank you. We'll thank Club Marine for jumping on supporting Real Adventures. And unfortunately, I, uh, I've lied to the listeners uh, last week saying that Pat's going to be back from his little Harvard experience. Uh, he's actually very crook. He's managed to score himself a little bit of gastro and I've decided to stay away from him and we have an even better co-host today. Lee Rayner, good morning, mate. Thanks for helping me out again. Ah, uh, mate, it is at my absolute pleasure, but look, I wouldn't want to be Patty at the moment with a squirty bum. Yeah, S-H-I-T, like a magpie we like to refer to it as. <laughs> no, it's uh, he, uh it was a late late message too. Uh, old Patrick is uh, very crook at the minute, so he's been on the toilet all night. So I thought, I thought we'd give give you a call, Lee, because you've always got a bit of intel for us regarding a bit of different fishing that I do. You do a little bit of the, well, a lot of the same, but you also do a lot of different to what I do, and we love to get a little bit of info on how you approach things. And we're going to talk a little bit about Malacuta, Lake Tyres, and all that sort of stuff a little bit later on in the show. But firstly, Leroy, what have you been up to? Um, well, mate, it's spring, it's snapper season, so I think you'd have to be crazy not to be chasing snapper. And it's been... Look, Aaron, I'm not good at early season snapper. I'm the first to admit that. Um, but this year, got fish in the bay on my first morning, so that was a good one for me. But, you know, I've been getting fish in Western Port, and look, I reckon it's been good, Aaron. The weather has been so against it. But it's been a nice start this year that you can literally go out, you can find fish, and if you put the time in, you're going to catch them. And some guys are smashing it. There's, there's certainly been some big numbers of fish caught. Yeah, there has been. And I reckon when you say you're not so good at the early season fishing, do you reckon that just comes down to, I guess, the sort of areas that you're fishing as such? And the reason I say that is fishing Port Phillip Bay, the eastern side, you tend to be fishing yep. more of that We'll, we'll keep it to the known, so that Carrum to Mornington sort yep. of areas where yep. you, your early season guys, you're traditionally following that water pattern. So places like Clifton Springs up near me, then you've also got the Altona area. They sort of seem to be those areas that always fire first. Yeah, 100%, mate, 100%. It's a little bit warmer up there. It's just like Western Port. You know, that water up the top of the port is warmer than down the bottom, and that's why that top end fires. But this year, it's been a bit of a mixed bag. You know, no doubt from all the rain, the fish are more scattered, which is a good thing, I think, for everyone because you don't have to fish in those little areas to, to get them. So I think the other one too, Aaron, is early season. I'm often on fish. You know, I could be fishing off Canadian Bay or in close off Morty Alley. 
you know, and they're there, you're marking them, but they're not necessarily always going. And I just like to keep going back because I know when they chew, they're big fish, and, and when they fire, it's really good. But this year, they've, they've sort of bit a bit earlier, so I'm pretty happy with that. Something you do a fair bit different to me, I'm more of a sort of structure, active sort of fisherman, but you are a bit more yep. patient at times. You like to actually fish the mud, which... I don't yep. do a hell of a lot of in certain areas. Clifton Springs and the likes, where I was fishing last week, I uh, I got some beautiful fish there on the mud. But more traditionally myself, I like to fish structure. And I always talk about structure on the show. Take us through more of the mud side of fishing and what it is and how you approach that. Yeah, well, I suppose you, you're probably just... I'm probably fishing more just for a couple of fish, but I like to try and target bigger fish. So those shallow areas, you've got good rubble and reefy sort of scattered bottom, you know, but even if I'm on a, a, a man-made bit of structure as such, I like to look off it. And often you'll find a pile of fish on the structure, but often if you come off at 100 metres or so, there'll be a couple of big scattered fish sitting out there on their own, and they're the ones I love to target. So, yeah, and, I, and it just comes down to maybe a bit more patience, mate. Like you said, you just got to sit it out and, and wait, and you might sit for five minutes, you might sit for a couple of hours, but then all of a sudden the fish will chew, you get your fish, and it's, and it's job done. Are you a burlier? <clears throat> i tell you what, if there's a lot of pinkies around and in shallow, no. Because, yeah. and, and that's a little thing I picked up from you. You don't like to burly too much, and, and it definitely is a case. The more you burly in some of those areas with pinkies, you just drag them in, and it just then makes it very hard. So, And the I, flatties, the flatties too. They're, yeah. a big, they're a big struggle that I have with. Yeah, so... On the mud, yeah, I do, but it's just more of a steady burly. Like, I'll just throw a couple of handfuls of cubes every 10 minutes. It's not a lot. Um, but the other one too, mate, I love my big hard bait, you know, whiting heads, things like that. I like a bait that I can leave out and it can sit there and a pinky can chew the back out of a whiting head, but you're still left with the head. So things like that, squid heads, I just love them. Yep, yep. No, that worked really, really well. Uh, Western Port versus uh, Port Phillip. Do you reckon Port Phillip's yep. kicked into gear now to say that it's, I guess, on par with uh, on par with Western Port? We haven't had the weather to fish it the last week, but would you say it'd be pretty much on par now? Oh, mate, there's plenty of fish getting caught. As, as I said, they're getting caught over a big area, which is a great thing. So, you know, when they're in one area, you hear a lot of reports because it's very confined. When they're spread, you know, I'll speak to one guy who's off Frankston and he's caught him, and the next guy was off Black Rock and he caught him, and guys down south and then up north so there's plenty of fish getting caught western port's fishing very very well and again there's a lot of fish all through the port i talked to a guy the other day he was right at the top of the port he got six snapper and i was down off real and we got five snapper so it's just a really really nice mix people this season can go and find their own fish which is what i reckon fishing's all about whiting now i've spoken about it in last week's show in depth around that queenscliff area where i've been fishing can you take us through for the Western Port guys uh, yep. where the whiting, or well, yeah, where the whiting have been fishing really, really well? And I guess coming into this time of the year, those schoolfish are going to start to pop their heads up a little bit more and more over the next few weeks. Yeah, definitely, mate. Look, Western Port has been exceptional, Aaron, and I haven't done much whiting fishing in the last few weeks, but it, the reports coming out and the fish getting caught—they're exceptional, man. Like. 45 centimetre fish are not uncommon, and I don't know what's going on, but they are as fat as mud yep. at the moment. Um, like, I had a session last Tuesday on the full moon, fishing the deep water, 14, 15 metres of water, basically snapper ground. Um, and the fish I got averaged 44 to 45 centimetres and yeah, just big fat. Fish. So, yeah, big fish. Big fish. I know a guy who's already caught a couple over a kilo this season. He yep. doesn't say a lot, but he's caught a couple over a kilo, like 53s. 
52s, things like that. Um, so big fish and, again, really scattered. But I would probably say at the moment there's, there's like really big fish, oh, I suppose, on the southern end of Western Port, all that, I suppose, real, you know, down through San Remo, Red Rocks, all those areas. But then there's also some really big fish up the top of the port, like right up the channels and Warren Eat and all those sorts of areas. So... It's, it's a great option. Guys are going, doing a few hours on the reds and then they're putting the time in on the whiting and, you know, they're often getting their, their you know, it's not a bag of fish of each. They're getting, they're Good getting both species. Yep. No, that's great. A uh, bit of danger on the water, Leroy. Uh, I actually seen on social media the other day, a few guys actually had to drag in like road barriers, you would call it, roadworks barriers. Oh, really? Three yeah, of them, okay. three of them attached together, obviously floated out with the floods through our Port Phillip Bay. Have we had, have we had floods? Just oh. a little. I actually walked out in my backyard the other day. Nearly had to take the boat to get to my veggie garden. <laughs> <laughs> it was. It, it's actually been ridiculous. But these these dangers are on the water now. Fortunate enough, I haven't hit anything uh, ever, and I don't plan to, and I don't want to. It's, it's nearly unavoidable if you're going to. It's very hard on the water to see these things that are not submerged. I advise getting a decent pair of sunnies. Yep. I wear the tonic eyewear. I'm not sure what you think. You wear Mako, do you, Lyric? Make yep. Mako sunnies like they're all bloody great sunglasses these days. They're all polarized, and they they take that glare out of the top bit of the water, and they they allow you to see through the water that little bit, and will help yep. you avoid things like road barriers, which shouldn't be in the water. Uh, big trees, sticks, anything, just stuff that shouldn't be there that will literally sink you if you hit them at speed. They will put you in oh, some serious trouble. 100%. I think it's well worth, you know, this time of year everyone's heading out early and coming in late and doing all that. I think this this period it is time for guys to genuinely slow down that little bit more than what they might do in the dark normally. If you're normally cruising around at 15 to 20 knots, I'd be bringing it back to 10 knots at the moment because, yeah, there's, there's some stuff floating around in the water that's pretty horrendous that will give you a serious whoopsie if you hit it. Like, I even saw the other day, mate, a bit of a... Like, it looked almost like just a big chunk of stick floating through the water in Western Port. Mm. And as it sort of drifted past the boat, it was actually about a six or eight foot long stump that, that you know, it was probably about six or eight inches round, but it was hanging mainly under the water. But if you hit that, you'd know all about it. Yeah, and it's not just going to put a hole in your boat if you hit something or possibly hit it, put a hole in your boat. It's ripping your engine off too, all these sorts of things. Like, it's it's not going to end well. And and it's un- unfortunate to say it. It's If it's going to happen, it's going to happen. It's not something that we... It's not going to necessarily be your fault because things yeah. can be only half a metre under... Like, all these road barriers that I've seen, you could just... Because it was bright orange. You could... I could see in yeah. the footage of it. You could just... They were just... It was just submerged. And the boys yeah. had to tow it in. I was watching them on Facebook on the video... It took them like, I think they were three kilometres or four kilometres off Altona. They weren't too far away. I'm pretty sure it took them like over an hour and a... No, I think it was three hours to tow it in because there was three of them together and every time they... They had it tied off to the back of their boat, but every time they accelerated, they'd gain five metres, but it was so big and heavy and the angle of it, it kept diving deep like a deep diver. Oh, really? So yeah. I'm pretty sure it was three hours they said it took them to tow it in. And good on them because... Yeah, my path to it, so. oh, 100%. And to tell you the truth, I could understand why if you were to leave it because I was watching some of the videos and watching this boat get pulled sideways by a road barrier was pretty intimidating. Like, And they dragged oh, in, yeah. they tied it off, rang the cancel, and hopefully they came and pick it up. But just a little reminder to be a bit careful. Now, Leroy, flathead fishing 
is something that people love doing right around this whole country. It doesn't matter where you yep. are, chasing that metre flathead. I've never actually... Oh no! Oh, I just lied to you. I did when I was younger. I've caught a couple of meters in Swan Bay back when we were a, a friend of mine lived on the, the army base there. But I've never actually caught them on lures and the weight techniques that you use to target these. We've got a few minutes left. Take us through, I guess, that sort of east coast of Australia. I should say so, not necessarily Mal- Malakuta Lake Ties there where you go, but you've got places like the Tarthra, you've got Bermagui oh, yeah. River, all these places right up to north that literally have some of the biggest flathead in the country. Take us through how you approach them, where you're sort of going, the time of the year, and I guess the the tips and tricks. Yeah, well, mate, this time of year you've got good options because just like snapper are getting active and everything's getting active, so are your estuary species, especially your flatties. They're coming out of their winter sort of sort of semi-hibernation and they're out to feed and get warm and do all that. So you can fish your drop-offs and that with plastics and you can do all that stuff. But this time of year, mate, if you get that warm weather pattern, those shallow areas, and I'm talking anything from ankle-deep water to sort of waist-deep water, that's where you'll often find some big girls up on those flats and fishing with big lures. That's that's what I love. Like, you're fishing minimum 120 mil hard bodies. You're fishing up to 180 mil sort of hard bodies and glide baits and stuff like that. You, if you want to target the big fish, this is the way to do it. Yeah. And you'll catch plenty in deeper water, but the shallows are so good. And, Aaron, oftentimes some of the best fishing you'll have is actually wading because the water you're in, is so shallow that it's not really conducive to even getting your boat through it. Yeah, yeah. So you pull the boat up, get out, have a wade, or you can stay in the boat if you want, but it's so good and, and you've got options. You know, you'll fish the shallows at certain parts of the tide during the middle of the day, and then you can fish your drop-offs, you know, where it might be a sand flat dropping off into four or five metres of water and fish sit on those edges. You can be really versatile. You can even troll for it. Of course, flatties just trolling the edge of drop-offs. Get a lure that's just touching the bottom go dead slow and you can you can pick up some seriously good flatties and good numbers of flatties doing that so um it, it's a good time of year and there's been some great fish caught i know last weekend in malacuda there was a brim comp on and there was four flathead over 90 centimeters yeah, caught right. by guys fishing for brim yeah, okay so yeah is it, fish. it one technique that i've always strongly believed in that people it used to be a bit of a joke big bait big fish and I believe yep. it, I believe that's one of the things that work. Big bait, big fish. Big fish will 100%. eat a big bait. Hundred uh, percent. I know a small fish will too. But is it the same with these big flatties? Yeah, hundred percent, Aaron. They on these flats, especially in this shallow water. So when you, everyone who's walked over a sand flat will see all the mullet and the whiting and all that stuff zipping around. And most of them are of decent size. And I just work on the theory that a big flatty sitting in fifty centimeters of water on a sandbank that's quite open, he might be quite away from some proper cover or deep water. He doesn't want to bust his cover to eat something that's three or four inches long. Yeah, right. Something yeah. small. He's there for one or two big feeds on that tide or that period that he's sitting up there. And they're quite mobile, mate. They'll swim a long way from deep water to shallow water on the tide. But he wants to sit there and eat one or two big whiting or mullet to make his, his effort worth it. So just like a lot of big fish do. They don't eat as often, but they eat big stuff. And these big flatties, man, it's, since guys have started throwing ridiculously big lures, there's been some ridiculously big fish getting caught consistently. So they are 100% one of those species. And if you are chasing a big fish, it does make it harder for those little fish to eat, which is a good thing if you're chasing those big fish. That's right, mate. And oftentimes too, Aaron, when you've got, as you lead into spawning season on flathead, which is in that sort of November, December, January period, what, and it might be a little bit later this year with the rain and stuff, I don't know, but 
they'll often, a big female, have a bunch of little males around her, like in an area. It might be the size of, say, you know, your house block. There'll be 20 or 30 males in that sort of 40 to 60 centimetre size of one or two big girls. And if you're fishing a small lure, you'll just keep catching little guys. Yeah. I want to fish with it. The little guys, they'll still eat it, but you're really trying not to catch them and you're trying to get that big food in front of that big girl that she's there trying to load up on all her proteins and get ready for spawning. So she's after big food. You put that in front of her, she eats it, and you've got bigger hooks. You, you know, you get a good hook up. You, you've got a better chance of landing them. And you get them on heavier tackle, which is a big thing too, Aaron. Like heavier tackle, land your fish, look after it, yep. and get it back in the water. Because last year there was a bunch of big ones that were found dead because people are stuffing around with them for too long. Yep. And then the old flatty glides back to the bottom. You think it's okay. And then she rolls over and dies. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So looking after your fish, yep. Yeah, 100%. Well, before we head to the break and let Lee go and thank him for joining us, your number one spot made in the country to target these big flatties. Number one. Oh, look, Malacuda's a prime spot, but there's big flatties in all the estuaries, man. The room is known for it. The Clyde, you've got, you've got so many estuaries. Lake Tide is probably one of our premier fisheries in Victoria. It's got a lot of big flathead in it because it's got a big food source and it's only even better because this week Lake Tide's opened again, so it's going to get another flush of, you know, ocean water and it'll become tidal. And I think we're in for a couple of years of unbelievable estuary fishing coming our way, that's for sure. Very exciting. Mate, Lee, thank you very much for helping me out this morning. Uh, we've got plenty more to come on the show, so don't go anywhere. Thank you again, mate. You are listening to Real Adventures for Club Marine. Get flexible cover for your jet ski, boat, motor, trailer, and gear all in one place. Clubmarine.com.au That was Red's review for Club Marine. Get flexible cover for your jet ski, boat, motor, trailer, and gear all in one policy. Clubmarine.com.au Welcome back to Real Adventures, and it is now time for the whip around. Thanks to Club Marine, of course. And uh, Danger's obviously got a little bit of the old gastro happening at the moment. So he'll probably kill me for telling you, but I have to tell you the truth. So poor Patrick, he's been on the toilet all night, so he's bailed out on me. So today I'm going to take the whip around, and then after the break, I've got a very special guest. Paul Worsling is joining the show to take us through his whole experience with starting the tackle stores right through to the big sales that he's got on now. So don't go anywhere after the break because that will conversation will be with Paul Worsling. It will be a cracker. Now, Vic Fishing, <laughs> it's something that's been very tough in the past, well, a couple of weeks, I should nearly say. The weather has been absolutely horrendous and it's been very hard to get out on the water uh, myself as a business owner that works needs to work on the water each day it is taking a little bit of a toll and I feel sorry for a lot of the charter boats in the industry in the same boat as myself but the weather's a little bit better the last couple of days into today so it's looking okay hopefully next week is a little bit, it's going to be crap at the start of the week and hopefully it ties itself up a little bit because the snapper are everywhere they are ready to be caught it's prime snapper season Right now, as we approach December, it is definitely the time you want to be chasing uh, chasing 
chasing snapper. It's it's nothing sure of it in both Port Phillip, Western Port, and offshore. I got some fish at the end of the week inside and then outside, so it's fishing very well. The whiting are going absolutely terrific in the bottom end of Port Phillip Bay. We are approaching that moon, so things will get a little bit tougher on that moon. So if doing the right things that I teach you on the show all the time, faster water, etc., make sure you do that. Now we're going to head into New South Wales for the whip round. Fishing out from Port Hacking, the snapper have been on fire on pilchards and even soft plastics. Anchoring up with a nice burly trail is working really, really well. Uh, the way you can get stuff to the bottom, if there's not too much current, you can just throw pillies over the side and obviously that will slowly fall down. But you can run a burly cage on the bottom. That works really, really good too. Offshore Botany Bay has been fishing great for the table fish with flattered perch nannies. Nanny guy, one of my favourite, and snapper on offer. Normal Patnoster rigs, but just drifting though. That drifting me- method's been working really well. You cover ground, you'll pick up your variety of species rather than the one by basically just covering different sorts of ground on the drift. If you do hit a patch of something you like, make sure you hit bang on the sounder, hit G- on your GPS, make sure you mark exactly where that sort of is so you can go back over and hit it again on that next drift. Squid has been the best bait. A couple of yellowfin tuna, that's very exciting, out of the Bunya Canyons. Uh, some big fish too, they were like 50 to 70 kilos. So they were fishing, I wouldn't say amazing, but there's fish there still, which is great to see and well worth heading out. Trawling has been the preferred method at the minute. So make sure you've got some lures ready. Get out and go chase a yellowfin tuna if you do have the time. It will probably, when I say the time, it probably may take you an effort and a half to find them. Not in huge numbers, but rewarding if you do get those fish. Heading across to WA. Quinn's rocks right now. The tailor are everywhere. Metal lures are doing the best work. Uh, they can be eaten. Taylor, very, very, very good. They reckon fresh, better than salmon. They reckon fresh, but also make very good bait too. Make sure you do bleed them if you are going to eat them. Now, this is a cracking story. Albany, a 60-centimeter whiting was caught in a very shallow 70 meters of water. Very unusual, but I would be extremely happy with that. Bit of a bycatch on a 6.0 hook, but that is an absolute whopping whiting. I know it's not a massive report on big numbers of them, but well done to the gentleman that caught that. His previous fish was 50 centimetres, his biggest, and he's beat it with 10 centimetres, so great work there. Heading to South Australia, North Haven, the whiting leather jacket squid are all on fire with bag limit captures on offer. If you do the right things, get your burly right, make sure you keep moving through the sand holes and you will get the fish if you are targeting the whiting. With the squid, make sure you sit your, your jigs sinking very nicely through the water column. That is the key to getting yourself a bag of good squid. Fishing at a Pondalawi Bay. There has been some massive King George whiting caught through there too. They are on fire at the moment right around the country. 55 centimetres and there's a fair few of them around that size too mixed in with the bags. So do get amongst those if you're in that area. Squid has been by far the best bait. Tassie, Davenport Bluff right now producing some huge salmon to 50 centimetres. So you're fishing on rocks there, so be very careful. Even wear a life jacket if you're not too comfortable with your footing. Uh, me these days, I'm not too good with my feet, so I'll be chucking one on for sure if I was heading down there. Metal lures and surf poppers working really good too. Fishing around the Austin Ferry, the brim have been red hot with anglers landing up to 20 fish in an hour. That is extremely good brim fishing. Small plastics has been working well there. Also, the cranky crabs, they're working too. Queensland, while we're on the brim scene, the Gladstone has been on fire too. 40 centimeter brim. And once again, the small plastics with the curly tails, as I like to recommend 
it. The grubs, they're working very, very good too. On a very light jig head, you want it sinking through the water column, not rushing to the bottom. That's when the brim are hitting them. The Red Emperor are on fire out of Fraser Island in Queensland. Some huge fish being caught. Micro jigs working really well. And I've actually been fortunate enough to get a few Red Emperor on micro jigs. They're extremely fun to do. But bait is working too. So if you're a dirty bait fisherman like myself, make sure you do use the bait if you aren't getting them on the jigs because it's working really, really well. That was the whip around for Club Marine. And it is now time for the social club where we take your questions from social media. And of course, it's just me right now because Patrick's probably on the toilet. And uh, if you just joined in, he's been crook. So I've had to take in the reins as per usual, carrying the show. The first question, actually, I've directed these questions. I've gone through the archives and I've found all the questions sort of towards just myself. Uh, and I'm going to do my best to answer them right now. I've got a few minutes left. And the first question is from Sam. Red, what net do you advise for snapper? And I think that's a really good question because I've got at the moment a deep hook'em net and I've just been using that and that's like my gummy net. Now, it's too deep for these snapper and I don't know why I keep using it. I kept saying to myself, get a smaller net, get a smaller landing net. You don't need this deep thing because it's a pain. You get hooks caught in it and because it's so deep, there's so many places that hooks can get caught in it. Rather than actually just using a landing net, you can get a rubber net, you can get it from any good tackle store, BCF, Anaconda, any of the likes, and you'll be able to definitely get yourself one of those nets and net those fish with ease, and they'll just sit in it nicely rather than dropping a meter down and having to lift it out and it's a pain in the backside to get it out. So that there is a net that I advise for snapper. The next one is from Tony. Hey, boys, love the show. Red, what is your reason for using braid over mono in Port Phillip Bay in for snapper? Yeah, that's a very uh, good question. It's a topic that I'm very passionate about, and I've been saying this for a long, long time now about using braid instead of mono. The first thing I'm going to say, if you do get a tangle with braid, I know it is a pain in the backside to get out. It can be hard, but I believe that you catch a lot more fish, especially in deeper water, than what you do in shallow water. Yes, in Port Phillip Bay. Now, for instance, a lot of snapper have been caught in 20 metres this year, and if you're fishing in, say, 20 metres of water off, uh, I guess, Carrum for snapper, you chuck your line out, say, 20 metres behind the boat, for instance. It's got a sink 20 plus the angle. You have nearly 40 to 45 metres away from you just in itself, where mono has a lot of stretch, 20% stretch at times, where braid has minimal to no stretch. Now, you can't see your rods getting touched with mono. You can't. It's very visual for me. I like to see when my baits get picked up. I like to watch my baits if they're getting harassed by flathead. And you can't see this with mono very well because of the stretch. So you've got meters and meters of stretch with mono with being at 20% stretch. You've got meters of stretch if you cast it out 40 plus meters away from your boat before you can actually feel anything So through the tip of your rod. So I don't like the stretch. Not only that, I believe you hook a lot more fish with braid with the direct contact. The hooks penetrate a lot better, in my opinion. And also, I believe that the fight of the fish, which we do, this is already a fact, is 10 times better because you have a direct contact with your fish. There's no give, and you can feel every tail beat through the fish. And that's the reason that I like to use braid in Port Phillip Bay when chasing snapper. Up to you if you want to change, use your mono. But that's what I like to do. Don't go anywhere because Paul Worsling is joining us after the break. You're listening to Real Adventures for Club Marine. Get flexible cover for your jet ski, boat, motor, trailer and gear all in one policy at clubmarine.com.au. 
Red's Review for Club Marine. Get flexible cover for your jet ski, boat, motor, trailer and gear all in one policy. Clubmarine.com.au And our special guest today is none other than the eyefish man himself, Paul Worsling. Good morning, Paul. Good morning, mate. I've been called worse things than the Eyefish Man. I'll give you that. The Eyefish Man. He's uh, done very well for himself, the Eyefish Man, with his uh, TV series. How long has that been going for now? Mate, I started TV way back. I'm going to sound old now. Way back in June 2000. You are old. I am old. So that was four, <laughs> year, that was, that was four years on the Rex Hunt Fishing Show. I did, And my first episode of TV ever was with Andrew Weddinghouse on his show. Yep. I'll never forget, I was so nervous. I borrowed a mate's boat because I didn't have one. I took him out to Western Port to catch an elephant shark or elephant fish. And the big dorsal spine, I saw you got an elephant fish this week, but that big dorsal spine on the back of old Calorichus Millie stuck straight in my forearm. <laughs> and I was in the emergency department at the hospital at about midnight that night. And I remember that the lady got a cotton bud doused it in disinfected and jammed it in the hole. Uh, parts of my body have never recovered. I'll let you guess which ones they are. <laughs> no comment there. Uh, E.T.'s a lovely fella. He's uh, got a great show, uh, Skate with E.T. We actually caught up with him at the boat show. He's a lovely guy, E.T. Uh, you have been everywhere. I don't know where to start, but the reason that I've got you on the show today is because I do know you did started, you did start a tackle store franchise or a show then, which turned into working with the Tackle World franchise. And unfortunately, it is sad to see as a punter that's always followed you for a long, long time since I was a kid, and by the sounds of it, since the two thousands. Eyefish, uh, uh, not Eyefish, Tackle World is Cranbourne and Mornington is now finishing up. I never thought I'd hear those words, mate. Um, it's did even I. very, very surreal for me. But it, it's a long story. I'll try and keep it short. And um, I've tried to share it as many customers as possible. I've actually had people in the shop in tears this week. And, and that was just me and Christy. Um, <laughs> can, I, can I just pull you up before you get in? I'd love to know before you get into what's, where, what's going on. I'd love to know how it all started. And I think the listeners out there will be very interested because you met Christy early days. I sort of know a little bit about it, but if you could fill us in right from the very start, how you got involved in the tackle world industry. Well, not tackle world, tackle so, store industry, I should say. Tackle store. So I was, I was working at Kmart in the uh, gardening section and I disliked it immensely when I was 14. So I sold the manager a fishing rod. And he got me moved to sporting goods. <laughs> and at the same time, a local a local bloke called Greg Duncan, who was in our fishing club, said, I'm going to open Cranbourne Bait and Tackle in Cranbourne. So... I helped him set up the store at the time. I, I used to go there after school. I used to go there on Saturdays and Sundays, and I worked for free. I just wanted to be there, and we set up the store, and it opened on the 29th of August, 1989, and that morning, I couldn't get off my shift at Kmart, so I worked in the sporting goods section at Kmart till one, and I jumped on a BMX and rode down the shop, and I ended up doing that every Saturday and every Friday night and some Sundays for 12 months, and then eventually, he said, look, Paul, if you're going to keep coming here, I have to pay you. How about getting a real job? So I went to my dad and I said, Dad, I've been offered a job at the tackle store. And he said, oh, yeah, but Kmart's a big company. You're not. I said, mate. And anyway, we decided for five bucks an hour. I was making the change. It was a big change, 15. You never know what's going to go wrong. <laughs> yeah. um, and uh, at the time, a young girl called Christy worked there. Now, she was nine, I think, at the time. And yep. her job was to vacuum the floors and make cups of tea. Yep. And, uh, and we were just two kids, like, literally engulfed in this incredible ride. And I ended up going to uni. I bought the store when I was 22. Uh, Christy was still working there at the time and when I bought the store after having lived it and loved it for seven years already I just thought and you know my nature Red I don't like doing things by halves mm. I 
I wanted to make it the best fishing tackle store in the world. I know that sounds funny, but why go for second best? So I just wanted to be the best I could be, and I wanted to be a place. I literally wanted people to come from around the world to see what I built. How, I how, do, you, to, how do you buy a tackle store at 22? Um, that's, yeah, a, that's, so my, a, that's a massive effort. I look at 22-year-olds now who I know, and I think, gee, that was me. Yeah, that's and what I'm how, comparing you to. I know, and, it, and I'm not dissing 22-year-olds, don't worry, but I look at them now and go, well, I was just a kid. Um, my boss believed in me. He gave me some uh, vendor credit, yeah. and to my parents' um, ultimate, I can't still believe they did it, um, they literally took a $100,000 loan against their house, yep. which was the only thing they owned in the world. Yep. Um, and I worked like you wouldn't believe to pay that off because I couldn't sleep till it was done. And they backed me like parents do. Terrific. And I'll probably do the same for my, my boy. Um, so Christy, everything oh, Christy and I have today, we owe to our parents for just backing us always. And I took over and I worked every day. Like I didn't have a day. I did 185 days straight at one stage. That was my <laughs> record. And they were like up to 14 hour days. And I just wanted to be great. And I thought, I was doing all these magazine articles and a bit of radio. And I thought, if I could do one episode of TV, That'd be like a thousand articles. So I started hounding ET, Rex Hunt, everyone, and eventually I got a gig. And uh, I did an episode of TV, and I was like, oh, oh, I like this. And I just pursued, 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 pursued. And eventually, um, well, you probably know the story of this little show called iFish now. And iFish was always there to promote my tackle stores to the world. And as it's turned out now, iFish has become the monster, and the tackle stores are just something else I do. They're my, they're my second and third full time job. So how did it turn into Tackle World itself? Uh, well, what year did it turn into Tackle World itself when it took over with the show as well? So Cram and Bait and Tackle I purchased in 1996. At the time, we changed it to Paul Worsling's Cram and Fishing Tackle because yep. I wanted to try and build my name and reputation. Uh, and, at the, and we joined Tackle World the day I joined. So Tackle World Cram and happened at 9am on the 9th of the 9th, 96. <laughs> but, but back in the day, Tackle World wasn't the name of the, of, of the group. We just all had our own name yep. and we all did our own thing, but we bought together. We were mates. We helped each other out. And it wasn't until BCF come to town. And I'm going to guess that was about 2000 and oh, I'm going to guess 2005, but don't hold me to it, that all different owners realized they were, they were killing themselves because we were, we were one, but to the public, we didn't look like one. We were Bob's bait and tackle, John's bait and tackle, Paul's bait. And tackle. So yeah. we then eventually all took on the Tackle World name and we started to market together as a team. And that was 2005. And that's when I went to uh, Tackle World to a conference and said, hey, I want to do this TV show. I'm going to call it iFish. Well, I, I didn't know the name. Was, oh, maybe I did. I can't remember. And they become iFish's number one sponsor, which lasted 17 years. It's a very good relationship that you've had there, and you also then started up the, well, I don't know if it's more of a headache for you, but the, the, the Mornington store too? Yeah, look, Mornington, Mornington was a fun one. That all happened uh, about 10 years ago on Valentine's Day. I took my wife out for lunch, <laughs> as you do, and we're sitting there, and like we, we live together, we breathe together, we work together, we, like, we spend 24 hours a day together, which I love because we're best mates. And so I, I picked up this real estate booklet when I was having a coffee, and I started looking through it. I love real estate. And there was a building for sale, and it was Tackle World Blue. I said to Christy, this is an omen. Let's go have a look. So we rang the agent, got the car, went and had a look. I said, wow, because I've moved down the peninsula, so I'm further from Cram than I used to be. I said, how nice would it be to have a Tackle World store a bit closer to home? Because I like Tackle stores. Um, <laughs> we bought the building. We set up Tackle World Mornington. That opened on the 2nd of August, I believe. Uh, nine years ago, so it's just over nine years old, and it's just been absolutely incredible. Um, 
to have. I, I can tackle a morning's one of the best tackle stores in Australia. It's a beautiful layout. The staff are just exceptional. Um, it's it's I'm being nice, but it's not old. Everything's clean and new, and um, I just love going there. If I, whenever I have a spare five minutes, I grab a coffee. I go to tackle a morning and talk to the boys, wander around. I might steal a bit of stock for PW. You get on the big jobs. Um, but that's been a real, a real beautiful part of our life to have that store so close to home. Now, one thing that's been close to home for myself, like well, I've always been a massive fan of the eyefish pool wrestling scene, and without pumping your tyres up, as a kid, that's what I watched, and I've been uh, been fortunate enough to become good friends with you over the last handful of years and whatnot. It was very, very sad to see, like right, the tackle world is Cranbourne, tackle world Mornington is closing it was very sad to see but it wasn't just me it was the whole industry in itself now uh, something to you didn't quite get the media for it that uh, Joel Salwood did but Joel Salwood for the cats was one of those guys that retired everyone was like right oh well that's sad like it's it's bad it's, it's 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 weird like it's a weird feeling and it was the same feeling right through the fishing industry that when you were shutting the doors on these two stores because Everyone's watched iFish growing up. Everyone's been to your stores. I don't even live near you, and I've still been to the stores multiple times because it was Paul's iFish with Tackle World, and you hoped you were there when you were younger, whenever we drove past. And it was the way it works. And to see it all shut down, and now for you to go through it with Jetty and Christy, and then not just them, the whole team in itself. I know you've got Kramer, you've got Adam, you've got some very close people that work there. How's it all been? It must be very, very emotional. Emotional is an understatement. Um, but I think Christy's goal this month is to drive to work one day without crying the whole way. <laughs> um, and I've shed a few tears. This this has been our entire life. Like my son knows nothing other than this. It's been his entire life. It's been. I'm 49. I've been going since I was like 14. Yep. So it's basically my entire adult life. Christy's the same. Her dad started this business. But I have I have learned, Aaron, as you go through your life you need to be able to let go of the things you love to enjoy the next phase. Yep. And you need to be able to let go of your ego. And it'd be great for me to sit around and go, oh, I've got two tackle stores, everyone wants to know, whatever. But I just don't need that in my life now. What we need as a family is more time, spending time with each other, enjoying the great times. I've lost so many great friends the last five years who went way too early. And I would really hate to be one of those people who worked every day of their life till I turned 60 and then get the knock on the door from the Grim Reaper. I just... And that can happen tomorrow too, but I just want to enjoy our life. And I want to also give the next generation the chance to come through and do great things. There's tackle stores around me that are great. Yep. Like I've had them in here today trying to buy things off because, and I've offered it to them because I want them. They're going to get a big kick out of this. So they might, they might flourish for the next five years because I'm not here. So the, the minute you think that the world revolves around you or you're that important that it has to keep going, you're going to get some major issues. And it's just time to call time. And when and it's like Selwood, and I'm not anywhere near him, but he knew that he couldn't go at 85. We could go at 85, percent but he'd be letting the team down. Yeah, yep. he knew it was the right thing to do. It was the right time for us. And I couldn't make TV and and do fishing tackle anymore because unfortunately the relationship with Tackle World ended about three months ago, and I don't have any uh, malice towards them. So that was a business decision. That's fine. So if I kept tackle stores. I couldn't get a major sponsor from a TV show because it'd be a conflict of interest. So at the end of the day, I had to choose one or the other. I love making TV. I hope my son might have a bit of a career in the future. I'm sure and, and I also, when I first thought of this process of closing the stores down, it was heartbreaking, but it's also a beautiful thing that we started it and it, the legacy ends with us. When people think about Tackle World Crown and Morgan, it'll always be Paul and Christy Worsling, Christy's dad, Jet. That was them. 
And I wish someone, if someone wants to start a store down the road and have a crack, good luck to them. But it won't be Paul Worthing's tack world that ends with us. You must be pretty proud, though, to have all these people come in and say, well done, and on social media. Like, it must be a massive feeling, like a great feeling for yourself and Christy. Yeah. Mate, it has been, like, it has been uplifting. I get home from work and I'm, I'm tired, like, and we're drained emotionally, drained. I've got ulcers at the moment. I've got hair, like, I'm drained. But the things people are saying, I've got random people hugging me and I've got people crying in my store and thanking me and my family for what we've done. It is the most uplifting experience I reckon we've ever had and so privileged and it's so nice because all you want to do, you just want to work hard, you want to be successful and you want to make a dollar to feed your family. That's what everyone really tries to do. But to have people stop and thank you for that is an absolute privilege and Christy, myself and Jet, we are blessed and we will never, ever forget it, mate. I was going to get into the iFish scene and talk about what's coming up, but we are going to run out of time because there is something a little bit more important that we need to discuss for the next minute that we have. There's always a positive with a negative. You've got to take the positive with the negatives, Paul. And yes, the stores are shutting down, but bloody hell, you've got some good sales on right now. Oh, and that's the other great thing about this. My loyal customers for 33 years are getting the chance to buy stuff for less than it cost me. And that's always a win. So I'm getting to give back, which I am loving. We've currently got 25% off store-wide, every single thing. I just sold a bloke a sounder then for three grand, and it cost me three and a half thousand. Yep. And you know what? I said, good on you, mate. You just saved another five. Like, it was a thousand dollars below what it normally would be. So we just have to move all the stock. All the stock must go, and I don't care how it goes. So at the moment, it's 25% off every single thing in the store. When the sales starts to slow a bit, I'm just going to get a, a pen and go, and I will keep flashing it. And uh, people are going to get some absolute bargains. And you know what? If that puts a smile on people's faces, that makes them feel good, that makes me feel good. So stay tuned on the, on the socials at Worstlings Tackle World on my socials. We'll let you know what's going on. And uh, I reckon you might even jump on the ferry with the father or mate, and come across and get yourself a bargain. I might have to come score myself a couple of new reels. I, th- I do need a couple. I normally like raiding your shed, but I think the stores will be even cheaper than stealing it. So I might, mate, have, to, might have to do that. Nothing left in my shed. Paul, mate, <laughs> I just want to say well done for everything you've done with the tackle world. You haven't gone anywhere. Don't, I don't think Paul's gone anywhere. Ifish is still coming, and he tells me it's going to be bigger and better in the next, uh, well, next season, I should say. So stay tuned for Ifish. You're listening to Paul Worsling. Thank you very much for joining us in, and from all the fishing community, well done with the tackle stores, and everyone, get into his stores right now and grab yourself a bargain. Thanks, thanks mate. Love your work. That was Red's Review for Club Marine. Get flexible cover for your jet ski, boat, motor, trailer and gear all in one policy. Clubmarine.com.au That was Red's Review for Club Marine. Get flexible cover for your jet ski, boat, motor, trailer and gear all in one policy. Clubmarine.com.au Welcome back to Real Adventures. And we are on the home stretch. I just want to thank Lee Rayner and, of course, Paul Worsling for being special guests on the show today. Help me out why Patrick is on the toilet. Now, Red's tip this week. It is a good one. And listen to what I've got to say here because it's going to save you money and look after your catch a little bit more. Coke bottles, sparkling mineral water, orange juice, whatever it is at home you drink, make sure you keep them and fill them up with water and put them in your freezer. Because there's nothing worse than having fresh water on your fish. 
Now, there's a time and a place for ice. Like, for instance, when you go tuna fishing, you need like 10 bags of it. Yes, I believe it's time and place. You can get your ice in there with a bit of salt water and it works really well looking after your fish. But for your snapper, your whiting, your gummies, freeze bottles. I have six or eight of them in my freezer at a time. I take them out in my catch bag. And what I do is I say I get a few snapper. I chuck the frozen bags, the frozen uh, water bottles already in there. And I fill it up with a bit of water once I get a few fish, chuck it in. By the time I get home, they are freezing cold, the fish. You haven't had chlorine sitting on them. You haven't had fresh water sitting on your fish at all. It's just pure salt water that is very, very, very cold. So make sure you do grab yourself some bottles of, or keep the bottles and freeze them. And they're going to save you money from not having to buy ice. And they're going to work really, really well on the boat to keeping your fish cold without chlorine, which is in our tap water obviously and also not having the fresh water touching them so that's red tip this week red's tip this week looking after your catch it is now time for the flying gaff and it's just simple i'm gaffing pat he's left me uh in the dark last week and this week and there's potential for next week because he's going to norfolk island and there's a chance there's not even phones there so he is in the middle of nowhere next week he's going to be catching fish so we're going to do our best to get my mate Patrick back on the show. Uh, hopefully, he's got some great fishing reports from Norfolk Island. Uh, he's going to be doing a lot of fishing over there, he tells me. I believe it when I see it. But he tells me he's going to be doing some fishing over there. I'm tipping it's going to be amazing, the fishing. So hopefully, he's got some good stories. You've been listening to Real Adventures. For Club Marine, get flexible cover for your jet ski, boat, motor, trailer, and gear. All in one policy at clubmarine.com.au. And make sure you have a great weekend, and we'll see you next week. Want to witness the world's biggest football game? Head to iCanWin.com.au, predict Australia's score with a crystal ball, and it could be you and a friend at the FIFA World Cup Qatar 2022 semifinals, all thanks to McDonald's. Maccas, together and loving it. TNCs apply.